0: From the dark, dusty back room of the VA clinic. Shut up! And the musty, dark corner of the local barber shop. Shut up! And the sticky, filthy bar stool at the local American Legion. Shut up! Plus some rant online or a bus where no one is listening. Shut up! Now comes veteran musings. The Podcast! There's gotta be something else on! Here we go, okay, I think we're good now. Glad to hear it. So, how you doing, man? Good, how about you? Good, good. So, I understand that you've encountered a new veteran at the WHC who wants to... Come on the show, and apparently talk about time travel. Yes. What do you say? Tell me, this is. Interesting. Yeah,
1: I was. Uh, well, when he, I was giving him a tour yesterday. Uh, it's and he was like, "I remember
0: when this was nothing but <laughs> fields and <laughs> Apaches."
1: No, it wasn't that. But actually, I did kind of, uh, and maybe it's a leftover from my old uh, law enforcement interrogative right, days. Right, right. But I did uh, try and get him to define time travel a little bit more. So I asked him, like, uh, oh, actually, when I brought him into here and showed him this place and told him we do weekly podcasts here, his eyes lit up because he wanted to do a podcast. It sounds like he wants to start his own podcast kind of a thing, which I think would be wonderful. Did you say what it was? Yeah, with the time travel thing, I asked him, I go, you mean like astral projection? And I just threw that out there to see if Mm -hmm. he uh, knew what the term was. Right. And yeah, without hesitation, he said, oh, no, no, it's not leaving your own body. He goes, I'm talking about physically transporting right. Dr. So I didn't. Type stuff. Right. I was thinking H.G. Wells time machine. Yeah, you know, right, right, stuff. Right. That's all I know. As far as time travel. So your guess is as good as um, mine. But uh, what the hell? You know, it's a new and interesting absolutely. topic. Absolutely. <clears throat> Let's do it.
0: I, you know, <laughs> we had our meeting with the uh, veteran business owners. Last night. Oh, OK. We talked about them using the live stream. In the podcast studio. And I told him, you know, I, anything you guys want to talk about, if it's business, if it's the hobbies that you yeah. have. If it's your interest, like time travel, you know, our bell kind of stuff. Right. Whatever it is, because, you know, giving veterans a voice and be able to, like, share what they're passionate about or share what they're interested in, I think that's good listening. You know? Yeah. And uh, it'll, it'll also... Help for, for veterans that are dealing with dark times. Right. You know? um, it gives them hope, you know, that there's, yep. You know, here's a bunch of veterans that uh, maybe have been through the same thing that I have, but now there's something that they're excited about that gets them up in the morning. Right. Maybe there's hope for me. So we think it's a win win.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I agree. It's every time I've taken a veteran on a tour of our building here uh, and shown them the podcast room here and of course the live stream room Mm -hmm. across the hallway all of them are impressed I've never had a single one of them kind of look at it and go oh yeah well that's nice but what the hell is that (laughs) they all even the ones from different generations uh, and uh, are not very internet or computer savvy they see the value of it Gotcha. Uh, and in particular with the uh, video live stream uh, I make it available by telling them giving him a sighting as an, an example of my interview I did with uh, a Marine in my Marine Corps League Detachment, Jim Cohn, mm-hmm. about uh, his battle at uh, Contien Con in yeah. Vietnam yeah. and all the um, audiovisual tools he had at his disposal to make that an outstanding interview. And the, the, the true lasting value of that interview was when... He, sh- he shared the link with his grandsons,
0: mm-hmm. and his right.
1: grandsons finally uh, saw it and came mm-hmm. back to him with uh, the statement: "Finally, we know what you went through now in Vietnam, because right. they're the video generation. Sure. And without that uh, visual, that, yeah, right, that visual right. explanation of it, uh, they were lost. Yeah, to it, to absorb mm-hmm. the uh, uh, gravity of that entire
0: experience for Jim. Yeah, makes total sense." <clears throat> Now, you haven't taken anyone back to the secret laboratory, have you, where no, we do no. our secret sciences? Not at all, because the even theory. I don't know how to get into the secret laboratory, Well, so I stay away. You <laughs> know. The things we do back there are unspeakable, Damn, I'm of not course. sure that you want to be part of it. I don't want
1: to. Uh, you know, when, when screams in the night happen, mm, yeah. um, I'm hoping that uh, they're out of passion rather than yeah. something else. Well, <laughs> the problem is you'll notice the electricity
0: flickering right. at the same time the screams happen. And now, so, I did see that movie. Yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yep. We we do all kinds of experimental <laughs> all, things exactly. here at Warrior Healing Center. Just, you know, whatever gets veterans going, including, right. you know, interrogation. Simulators. Shock therapy yeah.
1: has its value, um, I'm sure, and benefits.
0: Vibotomies, you know, just whatever gets people back into
1: the groove. Because as a doctor, I know you're constantly practicing medicine to you guys, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: I wouldn't call it medicine, Dan. Well, right. It's more like satisfying a curiosity. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes,
1: well, you do have that degree of biology. <laughs> so, to me, science, medicine... Just enough medicine, to be dangerous. Exactly. Just
0: enough to be dangerous. I think
1: your uh, instructors from the Air Force Academy would be very proud to see uh,
0: how you've evolved with your biology degree. And, and how the homeless community has benefited. Uh, <laughs> right. Because superpowers right there you go you know my theory about the spider bite (laughs) uh, the radioactive spider has not yet come to fruition but uh, we're still working on it yeah and that
1: could be a whole other franchise
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah we create Mm -hmm. veteran superheroes yeah you can get bit by a spider you can get exposed to gamma radiation yeah Um, the potential for that yeah isn't i'd love to
1: see your name in the credits (laughs) well and if we we get time travel,
0: like yeah okay um, we can do tours.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm on him about a. Uh, let's travel to the future, get some lottery numbers, and come back here and make life better Excellent for everybody. Excellent point. Excellent yeah. point.
0: What was it he did in Back to the Future where he came back with like a sports almanac? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And made Biff made himself a multimillionaire. Yeah.
0: If Biff can do it, any one of us can. That's what right? I'm thinking. Because uh, I don't think he was a veteran. Oh, of course not. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and he could probably
1: barely spell <laughs> sports almanac or even <laughs> yeah. the word almanac. But yeah. boy, he knew how to—he knew the value
0: of what. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he knew how to play it. And you can't argue with his success. <laughs> you know, it's just players respecting players. You know. That's right. <laughs> talent respecting talent. Exactly. You gotta to the guy. Yes. So, what else is going on in the world that has you interested in today? I mean, what
1: else? Well, I was just—I saw something. Uh, just a headline, of course, because I don't get too terribly into it. But was there some huge fentanyl? Seizure or something like that. It was, I don't know. uh, In California? Yeah, I think it was half a million pounds or something. I don't know what
0: they... No, it wasn't half a million pounds, but it was was enough to kill like every American citizen. So Um, why isn't this... And they let the two guys go. Of course. That was what was mind-numbing was, okay, we caught these guys with all these fentanyl tabs. Which is a
1: chemical weapon, obviously, if it can terminate that many people does that not bump it up into a national threat
0: level? Dan, I'm no national security I'm expert, know. but... Um, and you never play one if, on TV. If you think that that represents a national security threat, I'm willing to consider it. Yeah. I mean, the ability to kill every American citizen. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just mm-hmm. let the guys go. And it, it goes along with you know, the record fentanyl seizures. Yep that they've had over the past year and they continue to yeah at some point you start to wonder who's fielding all of this yeah and what's
1: their uh, ultimate goal yeah Go it's well obviously international because they're coming up from Mexico
0: right they're making it down there yeah so there's And Mexican those are the just on the it. ones we hear about of course I'm sure the Canadians are much more sophisticated in their evasion yeah tactics yeah but uh yeah, it makes me wonder when they let the guys go. Yeah, that makes me think. Okay, are we doing this to ourselves? Is this another CIA right. in, in South Central Los Angeles? Right. Nineteen uh, eighties, you know, scenario. Because guys like that. You, I mean, you're the law enforcement yeah. professional, not me. But it seems to me, based upon my many years of watching Law and Order. <laughs> SVU—that that's the, normally the type of person you want to arrest and detain. Yep. Yeah. Like, Am I wrong about that? That's absolutely
1: correct. Yeah. yeah. And we're—who uh, has the power to go and release them like know, that when they're know. an obvious threat to—if they're traffickers, they're an obvious threat to the uh,
0: public health. Yeah. And wouldn't you want to go to work on them and like find yep. out where did you get this yep. stuff,
1: who sent you, right? You Where's know, that the factory to make these? Yeah.
0: Or I laboratory, whatever. And once again, I have no experience other than television, <laughs> but all the president's men taught me follow the money. Yeah, you know, that's right. Like, you can't just grow fentanyl in your backyard. Yes. It's not organic. Someone had to set these guys up with this product. Wouldn't you want to find out who that was? Yeah. send him down. The only way you let him go is if you know who it is, and that person is you and you don't want anyone else to find out that person.
1: The other thing too is I want to know um, if it's that lethal and that's that dangerous um,
0: how could the market be uh, so great for, so great for it. it exactly. That's it. Thanks. Well this I have studied on Vice and other popular television networks um, because I had the same question yeah. apparently if it's Fentanyl, like the real stuff, a dose the size of a grain of sugar Mm -hmm. is enough to kill you 10 times over. Right. So just a grain of sugar will do it. But when they get the dosage right, the high is. Remember how you talk about the diminishing returns? Yeah, a lot of diminishing returns, right. So, with rock cocaine. And, yeah, heroin addicts. Yep often are chasing that first high because it's the best, and then it, you develop a tolerance to it, and later on, apparently, by adding the fentanyl to the experience, particularly with heroin, from what I understand, that gets them close to that first high. And so, you'll see it when, when dealers lace their their product with fentanyl. First of all, it's a lot cheaper than just the, the base heroin itself. Right. And two, when they do it wrong and one of their customers dies from fentanyl overdose. Right. Then they become very popular as dealers. Why? Because everyone's chasing that Oh. Right. And so they figure, well, they I would have think that'd be a quality control disaster. <laughs> well yeah. But <laughs> I mean put yourself I know this is hard but I'm not put a drug yourself addict. in the mind yeah. of, you know, that's the thing. Who we're talking about here, and and they think, well, okay, that's the one that died, so they'll dial back on their yeah, recipe, okay, they'll make know, corrections, you know. and so yeah. another hundred or two hundred hits should be good. Get in while the getting's good, you know, type of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just
1: support your local drug dealer because right. uh,
0: pretty soon he's gonna get a, that recipe right. That's right, that's right, <laughs> and you know, just like everybody else, drug addicts are looking for a good deal. Yeah. you know, they like to shop around. Yeah, yeah. With inflation these days oh yeah uh, penny cans so yeah from what i understand it is a a real commodity if you can get it right the problem is it's very easy to not get it right yeah because we're talking tiny trace amounts that will be incredible do. but i mean they are talking about like <coughs> see the news about someone some kid picking up a dollar bill or something like that off the ground and got contact exposure to fentanyl and it made him like really sick.
1: Yeah I've seen the, the cop that passed out that video yeah. when he was just uh, trying to book it in. Yeah. That's worse than my own personal experience with anything remotely close to that was PCP yeah. in the 80s and uh, I don't think it made it too much into the 90s but 70s and 80s. I hear it's day. still
0: big in Baltimore.
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised. Cause There's some cheap high. Yep. It used to be back in the 80s, it was more in the Hispanic communities. Yep, yep. The blacks did a few, a, a little bit of it, and their form of ingestion was they used to call them Sherms. Yep. It was a particular brand of cigarette mm-hmm. called a Sherman, dip and they would in, dip it in yep. there as a liquid. But I, I was working once with a co-worker of mine, and we did a traffic stop, found some PCP in a vial, and some mm-hmm. spilt on him. And he was a big guy and we called, I called for backup and we basically stripped his gun off of him and every weapon he had on him sure. and rushed mm-hmm. him to the hospital to get treatment. And uh, he got treated and all the rest of that and then my boss had me drive him home. Wow. I put all of his weapons and his gear and all that stuff in my locker because he couldn't even remember his locker combination. Wow. I just, you know, I got his uh, home address, took him home and basically stayed with him a while just to ensure that uh, there was no lingering side effects and all that, but, boy, it was a wake-up sign, and I never forgot uh, that experience. Of course, neither did he. I bet. He wasn't too terribly thrilled about uh, investigating PCP anymore. Right, right. And in the 70s, when it first came out, LAPD was completely taken off guard by it and had, um, had no expectation of it. They had no...
0: Procedures
1: yeah. or training on it whatsoever, so patrol cops were basically shooting uh, naked PCP um, addicts um, off of the top of uh, light poles because what they would do is they take off all their clothes because of uh, their internal temperature would rise mm-hmm. to such a uh, great number, and then they'd wanna for some reason they wanna climb light poles and. And of the time LAPD got the call of a uh, naked PCP suspect there now, only to arrive and see the guy up a light pole. And back then they had no yeah. uh, tools or training on how to get him down from a light pole. So they did what they did back then and just said, well, let's just shoot him and we'll let gravity bring him down. And it was very successful. Gravity Things never failed. A simpler in the 70s, yes. Gravity mm-hmm. never failed LAPD yeah. in that
0: practice. <laughs> and generally, how would they fare after the yeah, not very well. Yeah, I can't imagine.
1: But it depends upon too their level of intoxication. You know, you there's I know I know a cop that was practically crippled um, from a fight with a PCP suspect wow. uh, to where his back was so messed up that he was permanently assigned to work desk duty, and then of course, like anybody else, he got addicted to the painkillers for his back. Mm. So LAPD being that kinder and gentler and sympathetic law enforcement family organization that they are filed felony charges on him for, for, <laughs> for being a drug addict and basically trying to solicit um, Vicodin, hydrocodone, yeah. from uh, um, agreeable pharmacists. They finally Ugh. found out. So it went to a preliminary hearing and I found out the, the officer's name was Joe. He was actually a classmate of mine. Mm-hmm. I found out later on from him. At his preliminary hearing, the Superior Court judge looked at all the evidence and said, What the hell is this? Not only through the uh, dismissed the charges against the officer, chastised LAPD, chastised the district attorney for even filing charges on obviously a sick man. Right. And why aren't you treating this? uh police he was injured officer. in the line of
0: duty? Right? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. This guy gets injured in the know. line of duty and is looking at a permanent crippling condition. And the only reason he didn't get a a, a medical pension was because uh, he was making more money working a three twelve shift uh, at the desk and not having to do anything except answer phone calls and write reports. Right. So he was like, and I think too, he still was hung up in that. Uh, um, uh, in his particular example, misguided desire to serve, especially for an organization that mm-hmm. tried very, very hard to uh, put him in prison. Sure. You know, that kind of nonsense. But yeah, he mm-hmm. did get the last word, and uh, um, the judge said, Oh, hell no. Wow. Don't mm-hmm. even come into my court trying to prosecute one of your own uh, that has a, a, a bona fide duty related uh, right. sickness. Right. And, uh, <laughs> But yeah, so, and that's what, that's why when they make movies, and a buddy of mine was a, there's a movie called Faster that I recommend people go see. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny because Hollywood thinks that the only drugs that police officers can get addicted to are street drugs. So Faster was ridiculous because the plot was Billy Bob Thornton was a Bakersfield cop. Okay. in Bakersfield, California, a detective. Yeah. But he was addicted to heroin. Well, my buddy, uh, Brian, was the technical advisor on that. Brian had like 20 plus years as a law enforcement and got that job through some people he knew. And he's, when he f- read the script, he's shaking his head. He went to the assistant director and goes, cops don't get addicted to heroin, right. especially a street level heroin mm-hmm. and all that. Are you out of your goddamn mind who wrote this trash? He goes, and the assistant director goes, well, you got a better idea? He goes, yeah, how about hydrocodone? How about Vicodin? Yeah. Because I personally know cops, <laughs> probably uh, 10 of them at least, in his own personal uh, circle of uh, contacts that are uh, hydrocodone addicts. Sure. And he said, that's the real stuff. That is uh, based upon fact. And that is what the public can especially non-police officer hydrocodone addicts, and a lot of them are women, middle-aged women, mm-hmm. um, they can relate to that. And it'll make the movie much more believable
0: and you'll get a lot more, more Relatability know. to Exactly. It, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I remember, um, well, you know, the OxyContin yeah. scandal with um, Purdue Pharma. Yeah. And, um, on Hulu, they have a, a series called Dope Sick Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I highly recommend people watch that. It's the story of how Purdue Pharma bribed the FDA and got this label changed so that it, it showed that it's not addictive. Yeah. It's, it gives, it's all the goodness of Vicodin with none of the badness.
1: Trust us. We're with the government. Right, right.
0: (laughs) And, uh horribly wrong. Yeah. And it's it's about this uh, doctor who's like a small town, you know, country doctor and he just wants to help people. He's a good guy, you know, and he just wants to help people and he starts administering to people that are really suffering from pain, you know, real pain management issues. Yeah. And when they first start it it's like this stuff's a miracle, you know? Yeah. And then he suffers mm-hmm. from some pain and so he starts taking it. And then his patients start dying after you know long exposure and ratcheting up the uh, dosage and stuff like that because you know where have you heard this before mm-hmm. when you take it and the bad thing still happens we call it breakthrough right right uh like COVID breakthrough yeah that's right i do remember that word well back then they called it breakthrough pain mm. so when you're taking the oxy and it at first, it gets rid of the pain, but then the pain comes back. We call that breakthrough pain. Mm. And so the solution, according to Purdue, is double the dosage. Of course. Yeah. It's America. Right? Yeah. And if a little is good, yeah. then more is better. The land of excess. Right. <laughs> will never fail you. <laughs> so, of course, his life is destroyed. Yes. Yeah. Board certification, can't practice medicine. He has patients that have died. Yeah. Then he gets. He's got a personal guilt. Yeah. I'm sure over it. Yeah. And it's kind of their story of mm. testifying to what's going on. Yeah. There. But. Um, did it do any good in the end, or end? Did their efforts do? Yeah. Any, yeah. Yeah. This is what led to the Purdue Pharma mm. damages right. settlements. Right. A multi Was that the mm. multi-billion-dollar yeah.
1: one or something? Yeah.
0: Yep. And um, he was he was a part of that. But it's still unimaginable that, and this is something that the show really points out, is that they don't bribe the FDA approval authorities while they're in office. Of course. But if they approve it, then they can quit their job at the FDA. Right. and Purdue Pharma will give them a gigantic job. Right. So it's not really a bribe if yeah. you think about it, right? Yeah, yeah. And... Um, but and how, course, and yeah. that's an old, long time tradition yeah, yeah. of corruption yep. and ethics. It just, it really hurt a lot of people, killed a lot of people. Yeah. All for, you know, this Greed. corporation. You know. Yeah. More corporate greed. Mm-hmm. Well, you yeah, know, I don't mind corporate greed in general because. What happens when corporations make money? They hire more people, they yeah. build more stuff, you know, they generate more stuff. But
1: greed is good, is that where you're going? Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I'm not gonna say it's
0: good, I'm just gonna say it's baked in. okay. Right? You know, it's with with capitalism we understand that yes. people wanna make money and that's fine. But the minute you cross the line yeah. and you start hurting people right or taking their stuff, that's when yeah you know, like no yep. you uh Make all the profits you want, but you can't. Yeah, you can't, can't hurt people, people yeah, in exactly. the process. Let alone kill them with your wizardry, sorcery, mystery painkiller yeah. stuff. You know, if you have to bribe people to make it happen, it's probably not the right yeah. thing to do. Just saying, right? But it's a really good show. Check it out. Oh, that's okay, it's uh, a good one.
1: What's it called again? Dope sick. Dope sick.
0: Yeah. Okay. It's Is that all one word? Yeah. Okay. Like one word. And,
1: uh, I think there was a. Is it is it a documentary?
0: Or this, do, no? Yeah. No. No. It's okay. Because I think
1: there's a documentary about the same. It might be this. The, the, the one I heard of, and I can't remember the title, was a pharmacist uh-huh. that uh, yeah, yeah, made the same discovery. Yeah. On that Netflix. one's on Netflix. Like correct. his son got killed. Right. That's right. That's pursuing, the one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Illegal stuff. Yep. And so he went on a rampage correct and yeah i saw that one yeah yeah i can't is it called the pharmacist i think it is called the pharmacist yeah yeah. Yeah, i haven't seen it really
1: good but it looks good
0: yeah um there's another one that i've just recently started watching that you might be interested called we own the city yeah have you seen that one no but i've heard of the title it's on hbo and uh, it's all about the gun task force in Baltimore. Oh. uh, Back when this, you know, became a a scandal or something like that. I I haven't watched it all yet, so I'm still learning. But, um, it, did you ever see the TV show, The Wire?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I liked it very much. It was very well done. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. It reminds me a lot of the first and second seasons of The Wire, because they're doing lots of phone surveillance and stuff like that. But, um, It also brings up the question of, you know, what's the right thing to do with community policing? Mm. Like there's this one cop, I can't remember his name, but he's the guy that has all the complaints to IA. Right. um, He's not allowed to testify in court anymore or almost not allowed to testify in court anymore because they caught him lying and stuff. But he gets all the arrests. Yeah. And all the other cops that are don't have any complaints, they just sit in their patrol car and yeah. you know, don't do anything. Yep. Um, and, it, and, and are
1: praised by their department for it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And promote it usually. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: It brings up a, a great point. I mean, he's obviously a bad, yeah. bad dude. But it brings up that point of where's the line? Yeah. You know? mm. uh, there's got to be some happy medium between, you know, cracking skulls yeah. just for the sake of cracking skulls, yep. versus just clocking in and watching yeah. crime go on in front of you. So it's interesting, and they they use like a a cop who turns informant, mm-hmm. and you listen to him talk to the investigators, and he's like, you know, are you crazy? Because they're like, well, why did you? why'd you go along with this stuff, you know? Because they're all covering for each other Yeah. And, you know, stuff like that. And they're working closely with one set of gangsters to take out another set of gangsters. And he's telling them how all this works. And they're like, how did you get along with this? I mean, didn't you have a problem with this? And he's like, are you crazy? What choice do I have? Yeah. I mean, if you go against these guys, yeah. you're ostracized and you're right. out of there everybody's got to make a choice. You know? Yeah. And when this is the way it is, this is the way it is. So I thought you might be interested. Yeah.
1: For those that, that are curious, in my personal opinion, the best movie ever made about police corruption wasn't Serpico, although that was a good one, too. And, of course, yeah. the story behind it is excellent. But there was one made called The Prince of the City uh-huh. yeah. uh, with Treat Williams mm-hmm. uh, starred in it. That one I read the book about. And that one, uh, they, the uh, plot of the movie brought up some very, very interesting uh, questions mm. on urban policing and uh, versus constitutional rights for suspects and how do you really expect uh, officers to behave themselves and uh, try and make a difference in the drug scourge. Right. of uh, new york city in the 70s right um, and it was very very well done it's still i don't think i've seen anything since then that has come up to that kind of caliber wow not just in acting too because the actors that were in it were phenomenal and you'll, you'll anybody that watches them will recognize that a lot of them that are in it went on to uh, bigger and better, uh, bigger and better yeah. uh roles but basically just uh um, the feds yeah. versus nypd right you mm-hmm. know and how one officer was just like Serpico, uh, one officer was just so fed up with the corruption, he couldn't stomach it anymore. Mm-hmm. And all the trials and tribulations he went through, just like uh, Frank Serpico, right. to try and uh, change the system.
0: Right. Yeah, I loved Serpico. And one of the things I in particular love about Serpico is that it, it gives you a window into what New York was like in the 70s. Yeah. You know, almost unrecognizable from today. Yes. In terms of how people lived. Yeah. What the streets were like. Yeah. I mean, just it's amazing how far that city has come.
1: Yeah.
0: And how far racial relations have come. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's an ugly, ugly scene.
1: Yeah. It was a mess in the '70s. Yeah. There is a a documentary I think that's uh, on Netflix too. I think. Oh called Fear City.
0: Okay, yeah. I when they that. talk
1: about that the mafia's uh, control over uh, New York City in the 70s and it is a phenomenal uh, documentary. Yeah.
0: Very very um, well done. I remember seeing that one yeah, too. Yeah, that was very very good. Well, it's it's interesting now in particular because you have this new mayor in New York mm-hmm. who has a lot of interesting ideas about policing. Yeah. And um I don't know, what are your thoughts, you know, like the stop-and-frisk stuff? Um, Yeah. What do you think?
1: It's that everything is cyclical, Mm -hmm. you know, and I tell people now that at 61 years of age, I've seen the cycles come. And those people that uh, preach the gloom and doom now, I tell them, relax. Um, We're just in a cycle right now, maybe at the bottom of a cycle, Mm -hmm. uh, depending upon what uh, everyone's personal interpretation and opinion of a cycle is, good, bad, or moderate but uh yeah it uh, once again when it gets to uh the point um where people uh were out, outright savagery happens or like in i saw a stat the other day it said la's homicide rate now is the highest it's been since probably i was a police officer yeah. you know uh, quite a lot of years ago and uh that's what you get. You know, you, yeah. you reap what you sow when you wanted to defund the police. Uh, you wanted to put officers out on the street that have zero proactive skills. There's probably well, two in generations L- in LA now. they also
0: had the district attorney that was Correct. Mr. Soft on crime. Right. You know, shoplifting under $1,000 right. was not a crime. Yeah. yeah. And like Walgreens and CVS are having to yeah. close all their stores and stuff.
1: So with New York, yeah, I expect it, too, that uh, once again, that's a cycle. Mm-hmm. That'll go through until people say enough is enough. Right. You know, and demand change from their elected leaders. Yeah. And then they're going to have to uh, – the the uh, getting back to L.A., the county sheriff, uh, mm-hmm. a guy named yeah. He's yeah. he's running into a lot of heat and hostility from his – county supervisors and I laugh because the reason he can uh, take the stance that he does is because he's an elected official right you know his uh, so he doesn't really answer to the LA county supervisors and he's made that known to him in no uncertain terms right and that's uh, why he's really shined now um, as far as his opinion on the future of law enforcement in LA county and how he trains his deputies and how he tells his uh, deputies to operate and react. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's uh, versus LAPD, who's a. Uh,
0: uh, That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I Chief
1: Moore is a. He's a he's a pathetic, uh, yeah. political uh, prostitute. You know, he does whatever uh, the police commission and the uh, LA city council tell him to do. And uh, the sheriff is constantly
0: running into problems with LAPD. Yep, exactly. Um, I remember seeing that. Apparently, this sheriff's predecessor right. was a real piece of work. Yeah, along the same lines as LAPD's. Right, leadership. and so he was elected with a mandate. Yep. to to turn it around. Yeah, and it's gotten nothing but resistance out of the city. Yep. So
1: that's just one reason why uh, I don't live in a big city anymore. Yeah. Right. You know, and <laughs> happily uh, so. Yep. All I got to worry about where I live at is. Uh, and that's not really a worry, but uh, just notices the daily arrests for uh, human trafficking that are occurring mm-hmm, on you know, know. the roadways near my mm-hmm. house.
0: That,
1: uh, and what cracks me up is that the idiots that are, or the cartel, or whoever the hell is behind uh, these criminal enterprises haven't realized yet that uh, all of their actions are under surveillance by either drones or satellite uh, satellites up in space or something. Um, Our local sheriff's department is not batting a 1,000 because they're so well-trained in uh, spotting uh, profiles of uh, human traffickers. They're being told which vehicle has illegal aliens in it. So it's kind of like shooting fish in a barrel. You don't have to be Dick Tracy to conduct a real in-depth investigation. You just go track that vehicle down. Turn your siren on and pull it over. But even at that, I mean...
0: The cartel is just throwing crazy resources oh, yeah. into compromising the border. And oh, of course. Because they got it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, what do you think about Carrie Lake? She's running for Arizona governor this year, and um, she makes a big uh, platform point that her first act as governor will be to sign a declaration that the state of Arizona is under invasion. Yeah. And we'll call up the Arizona Guard.
1: Yeah. Once again, it's been done before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one thing that I saw that worked recently uh, was when Trump went and told Mexico to start uh, enforcing illegal immigration of Central Americans into Mexico, start detaining them there before they came up to our border. Right. And uh, that seemed to have had a pretty good effect yeah. because uh, Trump used the economic hammer on them and basically, and that uh, got Mexican government attention. I'm not so sure, the the whole immigration thing is a broken system. I've long been a big believer that a wall is a knee-jerk, simplistic uh, reaction to a system that's hopelessly flawed and and broken. Now if you've got, I heard, um, you know, there's such a backlog in immigration court, okay, then take some money and start hiring more judges to try and reduce the backlog there, or change the law to where these people don't have a legal right to uh, uh, um, challenge their charges or whatever in immigration court. Right. You grab them, you get them, and you ship them back. But once again, it's, uh, that may be too simplistic uh, um, a solution, too, for a short-term um, fix for a long-term broken system.
0: Well, I agree. The wall, you know, is uh, not only controversial, it's uh, got some questionable capabilities based on the entire system of the problem. And maybe it's wrong of me, but um, I I favor landmines. Okay, yeah, you know? that, is a lot, that is a little harsh. Well, you know, only initially. <laughs> after people get the hang of it.
1: What, it's going to be like fentanyl death? Yes. Only, you know, once a few die, then the others are going to yeah. uh, yeah. receive this epiphany and
0: and, and you turn to all to the, to the light you know we have air, air force <laughs> cluster bomb units that can mine large large areas well then
1: you agree with that we've had this discussion before my buddy who's the retired cop had had this great idea of invading mexico yeah using all of our uh, military resources to wipe out the cartels with our military power and then the way and then we'll the next thing we do is install Donald Duck as the uh, president of Mexico because who cares, a puppet's a puppet. right? And, but uh, the piece de resistance to the whole uh, theory is uh, you start building factories down there and put Mexicans and illegal Central Americans to work uh, in Mexico, and that's how you sell it to the people, mm-hmm. that it's a benevolent inv- in invasion on our part. And based upon our long history of benevolent invasions you can trust us that's right. we're here to win your hearts and minds and fill up your wallets
0: well as it stands we do have a pretty good track record of invading mexico when it comes to that's the true yeah. humanitarian the marines invaded vera cruz there on the yucatan yep. peninsula and until the marines got there they had never had sanitation services they yeah. had never had sewer services and the marines you know helped them out with those problems so um, god bless them maybe there's something to that Maybe we could actually put Biden in charge of Mexico. There
1: you go. You You can't. You know, there's a man that's perfect for the job because he can't screw it up any more than it already is. Exactly. Is it Biden proof? (laughs)
0: Is Mexico Biden proof? (laughs) Mexico might just be. That could be our next podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and if not Biden, then Kamala can definitely.
1: Yeah, there you go. Both of them.
0: Because she was, you know, AG in California, which is practically Mexico. Exactly. So
1: there's more Mexicans than. California
0: than there are in Mexico. Probably. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so I'm sure she'd be up to the job.
1: They're both geniuses. I mean that's why they wouldn't have been elected.
0: Well it's about the importance of the passage of time. Right. Because no one can pass along the importance of the passage of time more than the passage of time. Right, so right, right. right. Think about it that way. Yeah.
1: In fifty years as a politician there's wisdom there. Where it's at, I have no idea, but there's
0: wisdom card. there. <laughs> yeah. It's on that little card they give them It says, you yeah. enter the room, <laughs> you sit down, yeah, exactly. take your seat.
1: So, I don't know. But, yeah, now if think about this. If uh, we start building factories in Mexico, I'm predicting that within 10 years, um, you know, we could be telling China, Thank you, goodbye, and uh, we'll be seeing ECHO in Mexico, in mm-hmm. Mexico, rather, and uh, made Mexico on all of our uh, goods. Yeah. And then, you know, think how cheap it would be to bring the stuff up in a truck as opposed to a cargo ship for halfway
0: around the world. Right, right. Well, and there are places in Mexico where you can use the cargo ship angle. Yeah. You, want, you know, because right. you've got a lot of proximity of the population to the ports. Yep. So you can employ a lot of people. Right. Maybe we could take, uh, like, the My Pillow guy yeah. and build his factories down there. There you uh, go. Because he's always selling slippers, blankets, um, really, really soft Giza cotton sheets. <laughs>
1: Those things that Americans need. That's right. <laughs>
0: if we just gave him, like, the <laughs> northern part of Mexico and said, here's a bunch of money. Go build factories and employ people. There you go. I bet you he'd get it done. Go do your genius. Yeah.
1: Well, maybe that's something Trump might think about if uh, he can't get back into the White House.
0: Yeah, what do you think? Do you think he's gonna run again? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah? I, absolutely. I believe. It.
1: Because, you know, and the reason is, is because if Biden wasn't such a complete, total dipshit uh, and then he might give it a second thought. But uh, now he's gonna, with his ego, and uh, he's gonna think that, oh, Uh, he's going to think that he's the only solution to save America. It reminds me of (laughs) a great documentary about Lyndon Baines Johnson. Oh, wow. And when he was watching uh, on TV while he was still in the White House, uh, there's a photograph, and it's, it's so hilarious. It's him and Lady Bird lying in their bed, in their bedroom. And their adult kids are all standing around them in the bed, because uh, mm. it's obviously late night for Mama and Papa there. Uh, they're in their mm. jammies and in bed. And they're watching the uh, the riot in Chicago at the Democratic right? Convention. Was that? 1968. Yeah. yeah. So I guess LBJ was watching that with uh, the family in the Oval Office. Right? The whole, the the right. whole, the whole world was watching. Yes. And now this is after Including LBJ the uh, declined to yeah. accept uh, yeah. uh, nomination for re-election, because even he realized that he'd screwed up the country so damn bad with Vietnam and everything else that uh, uh, he didn't want anything to do with it. Well, (laughs) the reaction was, it wasn't until he started seeing the live news broadcasts of the Chicago cops beating the shit out of a bunch of hippies and all that, that LBJ got that epiphany that... Well, you know what? Maybe I have to change my mind about this. And he actually was uh, ordering—I don't know—some manservant or whatever the hell he's got there in his bedroom. Certainly not Lady Bird Johnson. That's not her job. But ha- ordering his valet to bring a suit because he's got to change into a suit and go down to the convention and rescind his uh, um, previous speech about uh, he will not run for re-election and that he's going to come down there and save the Democratic Party, save America. And change his mind and run for re-election. Wow! Fortunately, that was a. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, look it up. It's a, uh, it's a hilarious historical moment that, in my opinion, is uh, the personification of LBJ's um, entire yeah and his entire political uh, uh, mantra and his uh, mindset.
0: Yeah.
1: Only I know what's good for yeah. America. And uh, I had to go to the extreme of to assassinate Kennedy, for you to finally realize that Right. that I had to kill the president in
0: order to save the country. Right. Yeah. Interesting thing about him—he went to uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, if I remember. Oh, okay. And um, the student body there pulled a little joke on him his senior year. Oh God! What they do? And in the senior yearbook, they replaced his photo with the photo of a mule. <laughs> Subtle message to him that, uh, you know, what they thought of him. Yeah. Because apparently he went there and his hometown is Johnson, Texas. Right. And he would tell everybody that the town was named after his family yeah, of course. and you know, his ancestors and stuff, which was a total lie. Of course. Uh, his dad moved there for other reasons, including the fact of its name and he could make a bogus claim yeah. To it. Yeah. But, you know, that was something that. Like father, like Jake, son? Yeah, picked up. And um, in no way, shape, or form was it true. But he got there <laughs> and um, immediately went over to the university president's house and started washing his car. Hmm. And didn't charge anything, just, hey, sir, I'm here to take care of your stuff. And ingratiated himself yeah. to the president, got um, odd jobs around the house, which turned into... You know, kind of a housekeeper-butler-type arrangement, which turned into a job inside the president's office. Wow. Which then turned into you know him holding a lot of sway on campus and uh, just a shameless, shameless self-promoter. Yeah, and um, that's him. Yeah, it, it did not escape the awareness of his classmates. Wow. Was, yeah, a total ass. Yeah. Uh, just a fascinating...
1: Plus, his mental illness level. Oh, yeah. You know, in hindsight, I, I thought I read something that said that um, a psychiatrist or a psychologist, based upon t- researching and studying LBJ, came away with the
0: diagnosis. This dude's manic depressive of the yeah. highest caliber. Yeah. Yep, no doubt. Uh, I mean, crazy. He was ultimately indicted for murder yeah. after his death. Off, of course, but uh, he had a little team of hitmen, yeah. in Texas, and just absolutely that yeah,
1: was supposed to have been a former Marine that was his trigger man,
0: yeah, in Wallace.
1: Dallas, yeah, the Wallace. grassy
0: knoll there, yeah, I think it was William Wallace, yeah, something like that. and um, that guy was supposed to be like an evil genius, he yeah, was a really smart guy, and uh, he killed for LBJ on yeah. multiple occasions. Including this one guy. This one guy was found uh, out on some property in rural Texas. And uh, mm-hmm. his truck had been shot up with like seven rifle shots. Mm-hmm. And he had been shot in the leg, chest, and head. And they ruled it a suicide. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy way to keep your homicide stats down. right? To right. make them all suicides.
0: I wonder if LBJ was connected. Well. Uh, oh, yeah. What a puzzle that uh, makes. Yeah. And you brought up the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. I don't think any thinking person can consider any other yeah. alternatives. Than
1: it wasn't some Mickey Mouse little weasel guy, yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald. You know, we've seen since then um, the fall guys right and left fall yep. like they were trained and, and told to do. Now, as uh, we've questioned before, is how many fall guys are there currently around here, right. uh, meaning America, um, that are taking the r- current rap right now, and what's their network? Who's behind them? Who's pulling the strings? Because there's never a shortage of puppets, right. it would appear. they got more goddamn puppets out there than Jim Henson had with the Muppets, right. you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's very easy to find, and I think now, With a new generation Mm -hmm. of uh, intellectually inept uh, young people it's very easy to find even more of them
0: oh sure you know
1: and you could uh brainwash them a lot easier now than probably in uh in days of old last
0: century there's a lot of brainwashing going on yeah uh, on on all sides yes whether you're talking the the q movement on the trump side or whether you're talking you know I've mentioned before I think a lot of these school shootings yeah. are total setups. Yep. You know, that
1: those need to be thoroughly investigated as to uh, yeah, we were talking about one before how does a what an 18-year-old kid get a freaking rifle? 10 grand worth
0: of 10 ammunition, grand, yeah. Firearms. How does he get that? Yeah. Yeah. Which you bring that up, have you seen the video of the police inside? Yeah, yeah, I saw a little bit of that. What yeah. were your thoughts?
1: Just that it's, uh, once again, it all comes down to training. Everything that happens uh, anymore mm-hmm. is training and we can thank Defund the Police. Mm-hmm. We can thank, uh, especially mm-hmm. small departments, I haven't been in one and seen one firsthand. I've been to training um, mm-hmm. classes where uh, I have actually been told by a city mm-hmm. prosecutor that you're getting trained to the minimum mm-hmm. level of liability. Was that phrase? And I also learned another phrase: threshold incident. Sure. A threshold incident. Uh, then I'll never forget that one. So yeah. So unless police agencies want to um, uh, put in more of their own money to um, train officers better, or what I expect is going to happen, the same thing to happen to me when I was in the 90s, and that is, officers are going to have to seek advanced training out of their own pocket. Sure. I used to go to. Uh, a seminar they had in Vegas every December called Street Survival Seminar, which was one of the best ones ever put out. Very, very good. I think they're even still in existence. Um, and one year I wanted to go, and I told my watch commander, uh, "Hey, I'm going to Street Survival Seminar. Here's my, uh, you know, my receipt and all the rest of this. Um, I want to get. Uh, I want to go there on duty days." I don't want to have to take vacation or right. uh, compensatory time off, right. to, uh, for a, a seminar that's 100%. Yeah, job, that's yeah. 100% job related. Right. My watch commander got all pissed off and says, "I'm not going to give you uh, duty days so you can go on a cruise." And I'm like, "What part of this ain't the love boat, man? Do you wow. see uh, Gavin McLeod's picture anywhere <laughs> in this uh, receipt here?" or julie fantasy island yeah it ain't ain't none of that i said this is a a bona fide one that uh, a lot of officers go to Nope, i had to go there on on my uh, own time and at my own expense and couldn't even write it off wow because i didn't back then you didn't have enough uh business expenses to qualify for a good tax write-off as a police officer Mm -hmm. in california
0: right
1: so yeah it's a uh, A lot of those, a a lot of tactics are being changed. I think that uh, as a result of even international incidents. um, I think SWAT teams now are looking at, uh, ever since the terrorist attack in Paris, I think a lot of SWAT teams now are looking at uh, uh, breaching walls and stuff like that and looking at making holes into buildings that have terrorists inside of them and they're staying the hell away from freaking doorways and windows. They're blowing holes in the walls because they uh, are, are, have seen in past episodes where the terrorists have uh, the doors and the windows wired with explosives well, kind of a thing. Yeah, so it, yeah, is, am I critical of the cops? I don't know. I'd have to be there and all that, but I am critical of poor training. Yeah. And I have been in a situation, not in a school shooting, but back in the day uh, when there was a man with a gun, you didn't call SWAT. The, you had to go in there as a patrol officer and handle it. And I've seen sometimes firsthand where uh, a police officer that was a higher ranking than me flat out told her, Sergeant, I'm not going into that house. There's a guy with a gun in there. Mm. And the sergeant got so fed up, he went and told the, uh, that officer, get your ass out of here. Go back to the station. I'll deal with you later. Wow. And then uh, ended up, I was standing there and he goes, Shaw, you gotta go in there and get this guy. And the, the officer he sent away was a training officer, a no two-stripe field training officer. Oh. And she, uh, she was a she. She said, I'm not going in there. And uh, she had a rookie with her. So the rookie officer was female as well. She turns to the sergeant and says, look, just because my training officer is a coward doesn't mean I am.
0: Right.
1: I'll go in there and handle the call because I got uh, assigned the call, but uh, I can't go in there by myself. When I heard her say that, I go, "I'll take her in," and the sergeant says, "Okay." So me and her devised a plan. I got some other officers. Uh, we distracted the guy at the front door, and then me and the rookie snuck in the back. We got inside before this guy even knew we were there. We jumped him, knocked him down to the ground, disarmed him, uh, handcuffed him, took him away. No problems. You know, nobody got hurt. Nobody got. Shot just and like killed. you see
0: in the movies
1: exactly and more importantly just like you're trained to yes, do yes. and like you and you've done lots of times based upon training and experience mm-hmm. they have to go hand in hand mm-hmm. um, but getting back to Uvalde they don't have it in these small departments
0: yep.
1: I'm surprised and I'm still shocked that uh, their school mm-hmm. district even had a police department Yeah. You know, with a name like Uvalde where the hell are they get mm-hmm. money for that you know, the the uh, the only agencies I know, or the only cities I know that uh, have school uh, police departments are big city ones like Las Vegas, you know, L.A., you know, and others. Right. Because it's, it's a whole separate agency. That's a lot of damn money.
0: Right. And they have enough schools to spread them out.
1: Correct. Know,
0: and do that. And that's like a full-time a job.
1: Effort. You know, I knew several school cops, and it's it's tough.
0: Well, I think you're really wrong about the point that they weren't well trained because we saw the one cop go up and use hand sanitizer in the middle of the thing, and that's obviously some good training, right? Yeah. He was thinking about um, germs, not infecting himself or others with uh, monkeypox or any of the latest. So there's some hope. Yeah. Out there, there's some. But
1: now I I, I go back to uh, back in time, back to last century. Uh, the North Hollywood Bank shoot-up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Now, uh, I know several people that were involved with that.
0: Uh, and, and that's the one made famous by the guys had high-capacity right. assault weapons. Right, and right. Which right. they weren't missiles. legally entitled to have right. because right. they were both convicted. And the cops all had their 38 revolvers. Right, and 9mm pistols. Right. Um, and the cops were outgunned by two guys yep. moving through the street. Yeah,
1: and they did a... Uh, uh, there were several things that happened behind the scenes and that that a lot of the public don't know, didn't know about. Number one, the city of Burbank, which is right next door to North Hollywood, had two renovated um, um, armored cars. One was an old Brinks civilian armored car, and another one was like, I think, a V100 or something. And they even had, uh, the city of Burbank even had an M60 belt-fed machine guns. <laughs> so they call up the command post of LAPD during the bank assault and going, uh, we, we can be there in 10 minutes from Burbank uh, running code three and we can start evacuating all those wounded people that were, you know, that are uh, lying in pools of blood in the parking lot. And, Bur- and LAPD, of course, at that time in their arrogance said, no, we have this under control. And the Burbank Watch commander says, you don't have shit under control. Because I know I talked to that Burbank Watch commander years later. Uh, they told him no, or he told him, you don't have shit under control because I'm watching it live on yeah, TV. Yeah, it was all on TV. It's all on TV yeah. live. I could roll this thing up. The other thing, too, is another reason why it went on for so long is the North Hollywood division is a lot different than other divisions in the city. Um, it's in the San Fernando Valley. Yep. Back then, the level of violence and stuff in the San Fernando Valley wasn't very high. No. You didn't have horrific shootouts like that right. in the San Fernando Valley. Now, other officers from other divisions in LAPD um, who were armed the same way as their brother and sister officers in North Hollywood uh, wouldn't have allowed that thing to go on like that. Right. They would have uh, used other tactics and, once, and more militaristic tactics, right. um, especially given at that time when a lot of officers were military veterans. Yeah, well, I
0: remember that TV show from the 70s, SWAT, yeah. where they all had M-16s. Yeah riot shotguns yeah and street sweepers and they were all former military yeah
1: well now to this day as a result of the great north hollywood bank shootout you cannot find any north hollywood officer that has mm-hmm. less than probably four magazines for their uh, duty pistol wow they're carrying at least four on their belt and they probably they, they and the ones to
0: like a 40 smith and wesson or something
1: too? yeah they've got a 40 cal yeah. um and it's, uh, but they've got, they're carrying even extra magazines and uh, ankle holsters. Wow. They are not going to be wow. <laughs> outgunned anymore. <laughs> and of course, then LAPD also realized that they're going to have to have officers that have AR-15s, yeah. you know, in rifle training. Yeah. Even even back then, Burbank had shotguns um, that were, they were Mossberg 790s, Okay. and they were actually cut down. They had like 16-inch barrels, and not because of any tactical reason, but it was mainly because so they could fit in the police cars,
0: right.
1: in a vertical rack. Yeah. But the uh, the firearms instructor for the city of for the Burbank Police Department um, uh, removed double lot buck. He was not a fan of double lot buck. He never liked double lot buck. He said, based upon his research and studies and all that, double lot buck is unreliable because it flies everywhere. Mm. So he is the, he's the king of slug loads he loves a good slug load Wow so every single shotgun in the city of Burbank Police Department's inventory has a one inch slug now if that if they had rolled up if the city of Burbank had rolled up with those and the uh, armored cars yeah. which by the way the armored cars for the city of Burbank would have rolled up with probably the M60 machine gun because they got a cupola for it. They could put it on their V1 honor, just probably right in there. That had ended it right there. They had uh, uh, converted MP5s to shoot 40 caliber and all the shotguns are slug loads. Are you hit one of those guys? That would have punctured that army real fast. Exactly, exactly. If not, it's the impact alone (laughs) from a uh, one ounce uh, uh, lead slug Make in the chest to is gonna your mama. yeah you're gonna fall on the ground probably yeah. be rendered unconscious now you're a static target and you can start walking pistol rounds into their heads right and right. that's the end of the story yeah but it was lapd that day got their ass handed to him and it hadn't it's only through divine intervention nobody no good guys died but it wasn't for
0: lack of trying yeah no, i remember when that happened it was like so maybe we had to ditch revolvers. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. I but, just, yeah, but that's what, but so, yeah, when a lot of these, what's the latest shooting, too, where some uh, young black man got murdered by police again, but uh, they said he got shot 90 times or something like that in some mm-hmm. pursuit.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, once again, I've been in those kind of pursuits. And when you're in a pursuit like that, the sergeant that's there. Has plenty of time to designate a shooter, and it's usually the primary unit because they're right behind the suspect and they've been with them the longest, and they know more about them, right. so to speak, than anybody else, following in trail, sure. kind of a thing. But no, you don't have to shoot people 90 freaking times. Once again, that's poor training, and the lack of experience. Yeah, uh, by that particular agency. If you have a designated shooter, you don't need 90 rounds.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh it's obviously the response of people that are trained, like you said, to the level of threshold. Minimum. Minimum yeah. training. Yep. And then emotion takes over. Of course. And shock takes over. Right. And that's when you end up shooting a guy that many times or having you know, multiple shooters, like you say. Right. Just emptying their mags into a guy.
1: Yeah. But, uh, and that's, you know, that's, there's no need for that. Yeah. you can do more with less when you're got. another perfect example I'll cite is during the uh, 60s and early 70s in LAPD when officers were still carrying revolvers um, I knew an LAPD officer that got the Medal of Valor for a shootout with the uh, uh, Black Panthers oh, wow. and the Black Panthers uh, at the time definitely uh, had more firepower than LAPD they had, a lot of them had the M2 automatic <clears throat> carbines right. that we mm-hmm. saw the SLA shoot out <coughs> in right. the 70s. Um, a lot of them had semi-automatic handguns, mm-hmm. you know, and all that, whereas LAPD officers had uh, revolvers mm-hmm. and they had drop pouches. They didn't even have speed loaders in. Wow! But what they did have is a lot of Vietnam vet officers. These are men who had been shot at before, sure. like the Israelis. When you've been shot at before and you've been shot at again, you pick up a few tricks if right. you're still around to be shot at a third time. right? So you know about tactics. And even with the revolvers in coordination with the uh, um, responding units and a radio, and they didn't even have portable radios. Wow! And they still beat the shit and shot the shit out of the Black Panthers Wow! because
0: of training and experience. Yeah.
1: That right there shows... Uh, that's the epitome of the wisdom
0: of that. Right. Yeah. No, I can totally see that. Yeah. No doubt. Well, it's going to be more and more challenging going into the future. Yeah, it is. Law enforcement, because you can see the the margins are getting really blurry. Um, right. What does it mean to have cameras all over you Right. all the time? You know, what does it mean to have these perpetrators who know their rights or, you know, know... Where the boundaries are, right, and um, they push it just right up to the limit, where it requires extraordinarily well-trained officers to not overreact or not get sucked.
1: And they're not going to—they're not getting the high-quality officers now. Now, the other thing I'm going to put this out is—I know a lot of military veterans aren't going to agree with it, but as a former law enforcement officer, I do. And that is this uh, opinion that to safeguard schools, start putting. Combat veterans in there with rifles. Right, right. Wrong. 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 Okay. Oh, so many counts. Number one, uh, combat veterans have got PTSD. Okay. I don't want somebody with PTSD and live and a live weapon in an environment where kids are at. Okay. okay. For whatever reason. Number one. Number two, and this is more important, uh, a better fit for that environment and for for that particular. Um, task is a retired police officer, Mm -hmm. because a retired police officer has got profiling skills, they know what a threat looks like from a young kid, more so than a combat vet does. I challenge any combat vet uh, um, to prove me different. Um, And a retired cop is not going to be interested in chasing female teachers around trying to get a date, where younger combat vets will. Okay, or the from that same kind of age frame, put a uh, put a retired uh, a cop in there that's no longer interested in doing that, but uh, uh, and there's a lot there's a lot of them out there that don't play golf in retirement. They're not interested in sitting around at home watching TV. Um, they want to do something to still serve. Right. You know. So there you go. There's a capacity there where, uh, and um, of course, with some. Um, extreme vet vetting on the part of the school district, you could get a retired cop to probably do it for free, you know? And that's, to me, I I have more faith in that than I do in uh, private security, number one, and certainly putting a combat vet in there. I don't think that that's a good fit. I really don't. Well,
0: I'm going to try to get you to expand your thinking here. Mm -hmm. You don't actually have to arm the veterans. You just make them have big beards. (laughs) and wear grunt style t-shirts and 5'11 khaki pants with their old boots and then just put up signs that say be on the lookout for angry veterans with PTSD, they're armed and dangerous and uh, you know just have the veterans hang out you know maybe sit at a desk or something if there's a bunch of those guys hanging out the bad guys won't even know what they have they'll see the and they'll
1: expect them to be armed especially if
0: it's in a state where open carry exists right and then uh, if they do try to come in the veterans will quickly kill them you know with their whatever they bring maybe it's uh, dental floss yeah (laughs) maybe it's uh, broken glass right they'll quickly subdue the attacker and then turn his own weapons on the attacker I I think there's I think that's cheaper
1: you know what and I would agree that let's at least give that a try You got nothing to lose. Um, When I was a kid going to junior high in LA, the most effective method that I saw was a school resources officer, but you've gotta put the right school resources officer in there. Now, I would uh, argue in the 21st century, with the decline of uh, the family unit and the lack of fathers uh, um, in the average family, that your best overall tool for trying to prevent this is to get a male school resources officer in there who has kids of his own and knows how to relate to kids. Because I had one, uh, I didn't have a father in my life at that time. Um, and this guy's name was Chris Topolovich. Mm-hmm. He was a wonderful sc- uh, school resources officer, he played basketball with the kids uh, during lunchtime and all the rest of that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of kids, myself included, um, could go to him with any kind of questions, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have to be law enforcement related, of course, at all. It'd be stuff at home, and Chris uh, You'd be would able tell to
0: say, him, "Officer Spakolovich, or whatever." Yeah.
1: Was,
0: what is a woman? He'd <laughs> say, Do I look
1: like a biologist? Yeah, you got to take that to your teacher. Yeah, I have no.
0: But idea I can handle other stuff. Yeah. Woman, man, whatever. Get out of.
1: But if you get, it, you get a school resources officer that's personable, and once again, you've got to be very selective. I've seen the law enforcement agency put bachelor officers who can't stand kids into the uh, uh, a detail or an assignment as being a school resources officer, and that's the worst thing you could do. Mm-hmm. I saw one that was so bad, even the school teachers told the department, get this guy out of here. <laughs> He's a freaking joke. The kids are laughing at him. Wow. Uh, so that's the extreme, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. but get one in there that's personable, social, and can relate to the um, to the dweebs and the uh, the kids that uh, have got the poor self-esteem, and more mm-hmm. importantly, fit a psychological profile of a potential shooter. Right, right. Get them. Get this school resources officer in there, and see if he uh, can make a, a difference. Yeah. Now, does it have to be a man? Yeah, I think so. I don't think a female officer. Could really do that. I don't know. Maybe that's kind of a misogynistic, sexist. Yeah, you're totally sexist. Totally.
0: That. I mean, come on. You're a cop. That's right. It what am I going to do? Same. Yeah. Just teasing. Mm. No. I, I think those are valid points in terms of the requirements. You so know, carefully defining requirement. And I'm not even sure that the same requirements hold true for the same. You know, for different communities or different locations, because. Some places you're going to have certain considerations. Yeah. Other places they're going to have different. And, and
1: culture too. You got you got a you got to look at the demographics of the school. Right. You know that's which culture's I mean. dominant yeah. right. in that. Uh, you know if you got a I guarantee you, if you got a school that's predominantly Hispanic, uh, a male latin school resources officer is going to be a gold mine in that place he's going to be very very valuable and he can go he can Mm -hmm. um without very much difficulty he can create his own network of uh, informants in that place that will let him know because kids will tell him stuff Mm -hmm. they will be honest with him if he shows them even a modicum of attention and affection that's all they want It's It's not, you know, this is not rocket science. You know, we Um, shouldn't have to go and uh, hire the RAND Corporation if they're still in existence to make a a feasibility study on this.
0: Because General Allen just got fired
1: from there. Did he? Oh, wow. What did he do? I missed that
0: one. Oh, he uh, forgot to fill out his uh, foreign (laughs) agency uh, (laughs) declaration form for working with Qatar.
1: Oh, so okay. Yes. That's easy. If he can't pronounce it, I can... You can't expect in. You know, can't, can't well expect paper, it. Right. Exactly. Right. He's supposed, his aide-de-camp was supposed to do exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> the man's had aide camp for like 20 years. Yeah, well, those do old habits are hard to break. Do you think
0: he taxes? Do you think he <laughs> yeah. irons his own shirts? What, yeah, what hell think? no. He doesn't even drive his own car.
1: He doesn't probably, yeah. Man Where was his manservant? See, once again, guys oh. like this should be issued manservants by the DOD until
0: their last dying breath. Right. I mean, fill out a lot of form didn't? for you know twenty years he's had people <laughs> to do that. He hasn't answered a phone. <laughs> you know, it's just
1: He can't be expected to. He's need too to have
0: reasonable he's expectations. He's too
1: important and too smart for that. That's right. That's right.
0: Well, the clock on the wall says it's that time. It's all that time for the veteran using <laughs> something. <laughs> yes. Although we could Feels like we could muse all day. I know it? we really could. Yeah, I think we could. But uh, join us next week where we'll have um, Chuckles back in.
1: Chuckles is back. Good. Yeah, and, we um, do miss
0: him. Chuckles it. will give us his perspective on the rising cost of gasoline in mm. your car and um, those uh, those little beef sticks mm. that you yeah. get at the corner shops. Yeah. He's pretty pretty upset about the inflation there. Uh-oh. So We're gonna get a report from Chuckles. Yeah. Hopefully an update. Keep your fingers crossed. We'll I see am. you next time.
1: Ciao. Thank you. Thank you.